Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, I'll be doing my Week 7 recap, which is pretty much about the in-season tournament, all the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals. We'll talk about that. Also, some injury news, guys. We'll get you caught up on that as well. The WNBA lottery took place. We'll break that down as well. So, a lot to talk about. So, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys. It's your boy, GD. Back with all things Basketball with GD podcast. And this week, we are going to cover the in-season tournament. So, we've had our first inaugural in-season tournament and I gotta say it's been a rousing success but I'll get to that in a minute but I do want to start with some injury news before I go into it in terms of injury news Zach Levine he's gonna be out three to four weeks with that foot injury guys so Zach Levine the nightmare continues for him remember he's been unhappy for a minute Now he has this foot injury that seems to be plaguing him. And now it looks like at least three weeks we will not see Zach Levine in action. So we'll see what happens with him. Then Laurie Markkinen. He missed all last week with that hamstring injury. And we are now going on seven games. And it's actually going to be eight. Because word has it he won't play in Monday's game, so the saga continues for Laurie Marketed in that hammy of his. Let us move on to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving injured his foot in a 125-112 win over the Portland Trailblazers, but he injured his foot. It was a freak accident. His teammate Dwight Powell accidentally stepped on his foot, therefore causing the contusion. The word on the street is he's going to be out indefinitely, guys. So we don't know the extent of the injury. We're just hearing out indefinitely. But we know Kyrie he has a history of injuries. He's kind of a slow healer, so we'll see what happens. Which is a shame because they started out so hot, the Mavericks did. So we'll definitely keep an eye on Kyrie and the progress with his foot. Let's move on to LaMelo Ball. His ankle sprain will be reevaluated in a week. You talk about another guy who kind of heals slowly. And remember, he missed a lot of time last season. So, of course, the Charlotte Hornets are going to treat him with kid gloves. And rightfully so, this is your franchise player. So, he will be reevaluated in a week. Jeremy Grant of the Portland Trailblazers. He missed last week's games with a concussion. So he was out the two games last week, and it seems like he won't play Monday in a game at the L.A. Clippers. Jeremy Grant dealing with a concussion. How long he'll be out, we'll have to wait and see with that. And speaking of Portland, Anthony Simons, he has returned to action. He returned on December 6th. After missing the first 19 games, guys, remember he had the thumb injury. So he missed the first 19 games. Now he's back on the court. So bit of good news, bad news for the Portland Trailblazers. Then Jalen Duran, he's going to be out at least two weeks with an ankle sprain. 
So now you'll get to see the likes of a Marvin Bagley, probably a James Wiseman as well. Hopefully we'll see him back on the court very soon. Bam out of Bayou for the Miami Heat. He missed the last three games with a hip contusion. And it'll be number four when he misses the game tonight. So Bam out of Bayou dealing with a hip contusion. And also Tyler Hero. He remains out with an ankle injury. He's been out the past 14 games, guys. And tonight will be game number 15 he'll be out. The Miami Heat dealing with a thin roster right now. Two of your best players down for the count. And you know Jimmy Butler, he has his issues in terms of injuries as well. So trying times for the Miami Heat right about now. And then this just came in, guys. Bad news for my New York Knicks. Mitchell Robinson, he's going to be out 8 to 10 weeks with an ankle injury. These ankles, man. A lot of them popping up these days. Which means Isaiah Hartenstein will be the starter for now. You're going to need Jericho Sims to be his backup. We'll see how Jericho Sims has grown in terms of development. Also, you'll probably see... A guy like Julius Randle slide to the five when you want to go small. So it'll have to be a combination of things. But this is a tremendous blow to the New York Knicks. Here's a guy who was playing defensive player of the year type numbers he was putting up. And to lose a guy like that in the middle, that's a crushing blow, guys. So we'll see how the Knicks respond without their anchor in the middle, Mitchell Robinson. So guys, that is your injury news. Let us now talk about the in-season tournament. We had the four teams, guys. Four teams in each conference. Indiana and Boston. Milwaukee and New York. And then in the West, we had Sacramento, New Orleans, Phoenix, and L.A. Lakers. Last Monday, December 4th, of course, she had a doubleheader. The Indiana Pacers beat Boston. Indiana was actually hosting that game. And they won it 122 to 112 in a game that was pretty competitive, guys. In fact, after the half, Boston was leading that game 55-48. But the real difference in the game, guys, number one was turnovers. Boston committed 19, Indiana only six. And then also from three, Indiana made seven more threes than Boston on nearly the same amount of attempts. So you talk about a 21-point swing, guys. And for the game, Tyrese Hollyburton put on a show. 26 points. He knocked down five threes in that game. 13 assists, zero turnovers, guys. And oh, by the way, he added 10 rebounds to get his first triple-double as a professional in the NBA. So Tyrese Hollyburton putting in work. And then also you had seven players that scored in double figures. Tyrese Holly Burton's father goes crazy in the stands. Which, you know, you like to see that. You like to see the parents enthusiastic about their child. Then after the game, he greets him. And people on social media want to say, Oh, him and his father don't have a cool relationship. And then Tyrese Holly Burton goes on Paul George's podcast. Yeah, 
it was Paul George podcast and he tells him, you know, he was kind of embarrassed. He said he knows pop. He knows he kind of goes overboard, but you know, that's who he is. So for these morons, you know how I feel about social media guys for these morons to go on social media and say him and his dad aren't cool because they caught a five second clip of him being kind of, I don't want to say standoffish, but like, dad, you kind of embarrassing me. You know, a moment like that. And you taking it to run and say him and his father ain't cool. That's ridiculous. But I digress from the subject. So that's what Indiana did in the game. For Boston, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It was their show, guys. Not much help from others. 32 points for Tatum. Jalen Brown, 30 points for him. That is your one game, guys. Then in the nightcap... The New Orleans Pelicans go into Sacramento and they get the win. 127 to 117. The difference in that game, field goal percentage. The Pelicans from the field, 54%. And then for Sacramento, only 44.7. So that's kind of your disparity there. Leading the way for the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram. He had 30 points, 8 rebounds. Six assists. Herbert Jones had a nice game. 23 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Zion Williamson. 10 points for him. 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. He played 27 minutes, guys. I'm going to talk about him a little further in a minute. And then for the Kings, DeMontis Sabonis drops a triple-double with 26 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. De'Aaron Fox. 30 points for him, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, but he had 6 turnovers, guys. Not good. Pelicans get the win, and they move on to the semis. The next day, December 5th, Milwaukee Bucks beat the Knicks 146-122. to So the Knicks had to go into Milwaukee to face the Bucks, and pretty much got shellacked, guys. The difference in this game, Milwaukee Bucks went crazy from three-point range. They shot at 60.5% from three. That's insane. While the Knicks shot at only 30.4%. In fact, the Milwaukee Bucks hit the same amount of three-point goals that the Knicks attempted with 23. So that tells you the story in a nutshell, guys. For the Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 35 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds, 3 steals for him. Damian Lillard, 28 points, 7 assists, and 3 rebounds. Julius Randle, coming off a Player of the Week honors, he drops 41 points, along with 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and Jalen Brunson, 24 points, with 6 assists. R.J. Barrett, 23 points and 8 rebounds for him. But the Knicks lose. Bringing with that, you know, guys, I kind of, yeah, I guess I'll say it, me being a Knicks fan I am, I kind of don't like when they're on national television because this opens the door for all this commentary and analysis. So with that said... The inside, the NBA guys talk about the Knicks. You know, what is it they need and these sort of things. Now, bear in mind that 
the Knicks only recently have gotten kind of their footing under them in terms of stability, in terms of some sort of success when it comes to playoffs. I mean, it's a small sample size, but they're in the midst of building something that's sustaining. Do they need pieces? Sure they do. But I think the media's overreaction to everything Knicks, I think it's for clicks, to be honest with you, because they know how rabid the fan base is. But it's, it's just, it either goes too high or too low. It's like never like in the middle. So with that said, the inside the NBA guys, namely Charles Barkley, then Kenny Smith said something utterly ridiculous. But Charles Barkley says he doesn't like teams that are like stuck in the middle there. They're not going up. They're not going down. And basically said they need to trade for a star. And we've heard that lament all over the place. Then Kenny Smith goes as far as to say anytime the Knicks play, they have the second or third best player on the court. In other words, saying that they don't have the guy. To which they say that Tuesday night. On first take, they echo the sentiments. Of course, Stephen A. being the irrational Nick fan. I'm using air quotes here, guys, because some days I question his fandom. And he pretty much says he's disgusted by the mediocrity, which is hyperbole because it's not exactly mediocrity if you made the playoffs two of the three years, but what do I know? And then Mad Dog Russo's on there, and he echoes the sentiments and then he names all the other guys including Reggie Brown who we don't know who that is but I think he meant Jalen Brown but that's another story but in any event this is your media just going nuts over the Knicks and what they've done first of all what Milwaukee did in that game is unheralded to shoot at 60% from three of course obviously that's the problem where the Knicks aren't guarding the three-point line well But, I mean, to shoot at 60% is just unseemly, and that doesn't happen very often. So we have that. Again, I say the Knicks do need something. Uh, I was actually talking about this just yesterday with Jennifer from the Knicks Omni fan group, and she kind of agreed with them as well, saying that we probably need a star two guard. Which I don't disagree with. But here's the thing. And I was actually listening to today on the Give and Go show. A caller called up and he named five players who you would want to start a franchise with. Shai Gilkis Alexander. Tyrese Hollyburton, Who we had a shot at getting. Also SGA as well. Anthony Edwards. Apollo Boncaro. And the fifth player escapes me. I don't I don't remember who it was. But anyhow, I named this to say that all this drafting that the Knicks have done, when you draft high, you have to hit on guys. In other words, you're going to be stuck in that middle, which we are at. So when you have a chance to get somebody like a Holly Burton, who a lot of people saw, me as well, so as a guy who can move the needle, who could play either guard position, but turns out he settled as a point guard, you have to go after these guys. When you swing and miss on a 
Kevin Knox and not get a guy like Michael Porter Jr. You can't afford to take these gambles, if you will, when you avoid getting a guy like also Mikael Bridges. You you can't take these sort of chances. Everybody and their mother knew that Mikael Bridges would be a fine pro. And you went for Knox instead. When you're picking so high, you can't make these mistakes. Because why? It'll come back to haunt you. And the Knicks are always easy fodder for the media, especially national media. You have to hit on these guys. Otherwise, you're going to get clowned. So, do I think the organization as a whole is moving in the right direction? I do think that. Do I think they probably could have done better with some draft picks? Of course. But they've hit on some as well. And I think I'm alone in this camp when I say this. I actually think Emmanuel quickly, if he was given a steady diet of play, a steady diet of shots, I think he could be, if not like a Tyrese Maxley, a close facsimile of him. That's why I think. I just think the fact that he comes off the bench, he has to work his way in, those sort of things. That is not exactly easy to do, to work yourself into an offense coming off the bench. It's not easy. If he were a starter per se, I think the opportunities would be there more sooner than him coming off the bench. That's just me. I think I'm alone in that camp, but that's a hill I'll I'm willing to stand upon in terms of Emmanuel quickly. And you're going to have to make a decision about him anyway. So why not at this point? Oh, by the way, they just decided to bench Quentin Grimes. And now they're starting Dante DiVincenzo. I actually thought it should be quickly starting. But I thought DiVincenzo probably works best with Josh Hart coming off the bench. But again, it's just little old me with this podcast here. Yeah, so that's what they were saying about the Knicks coming out of this game. So take with it what you will. All right, so let's move on to the nightcap of that evening. And that was the Lakers hosting the Phoenix Suns and beating them, just beating them actually, 106 to 103. In a game where the turnover battle, very much in the Lakers' favor, Suns with 20 of them, Lakers with 9. In terms of field goal percentage, everything was in Phoenix' favor, but in terms of field goals, they shot it better than the Lakers. From three, shot it better than the Lakers. But it was the turnover battle that pretty much did it. And then there was the controversial call where the Lakers called a timeout and the ball was kind of, well, they're saying it was pinned to Austin Reeves when they made the timeout call. And, of course, the Suns protested it, but to no avail. And then, you know, how they have the two-minute rule. The next day, it came out that they ruled correctly. So, the Lakers get the win, 106-103. to 103. In that game, LeBron James just beasting guys at age 38. 31 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, and 5 steals. Whew. Anthony Davis, 27 points, 15 rebounds, 2 blocks. And then for Phoenix, Kevin Durant, 31 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. Then Devin Booker, 21 points, 
11 rebounds, 6 assists, and Grayson Allen also had 21 points in that game as well. So the Lakers move on to the semifinals. And in the semifinals, we have the East semifinals first. Indiana Pacers upsetting the Milwaukee Bucks 128 to 119 in a game where the real difference guys actually at the half they were winning 63 to 51 and then in the third Milwaukee turns it around and leads the third quarter up by three and then in that fourth quarter Indiana just took control and won the game real difference the assist totals I imagine 34 Indiana, just 19 for the Bucks, And in that game, once again, Tyrese Hollyburton, the star on the court. 27 points, 15 assists, 7 rebounds. Miles Turner had a nice game. 26 points, 10 rebounds, 3 blocks. And then, in a losing effort, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 37 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks. Dame Lillard, 24 points, but on only 7 of 20 shooting, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. And then, with that, the Milwaukee Bucks in the locker room, it leaked out thanks to Chris Haynes. He reported that inside the locker room, Bobby Portis kind of challenged the coach, Adrian Griffin at the time, as well as the team inside that locker room. A lot of people saying stuff like that shouldn't get out, so on and so forth. You know, eh, these things happen in the locker room. So whatever happens in the locker room, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't get too lathered up over it. I think it's just the way things are. I don't see it as anything one way or the other. I wouldn't go crazy about it. But Milwaukee takes the loss here. With that said, let's move on to the evening game. The Lakers. Remember last week, LeBron got his worst loss, a 44-point loss to the Sixers. And this semifinals, he kind of exacts a little revenge on that bit of history as the Lakers beat the Pelicans 133-89, to thus winning by 44 points. And in that game... At the half, they were winning 67-54. And then in that second half, they just blew the doors off. Scoring 66 to New Orleans, 35 points. And then from the field, just superior 54.7% to the Pelicans, 358 And from three, 48.6% to... The Pelicans, 22.6%. LeBron James, the man is ageless, guys. 30 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds. Oh, by the way, he did it on 22 minutes of action. Anthony Davis, eh, a nice game across the board. 16 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks and 2 steals. Leading the way for the Pelicans, Trey Murphy from the bench, 14 points. Zion Williamson, 13 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds. He did that in 25 minutes, guys. And then Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum combined for 18 points together. 
and they did that on 8 of 27 shooting. That's pretty horrendous, guys. 1 of 7 from 3. The Lakers get the impressive win and move on to the in-season tournament finals. Now, with that said, we turn our attention to the Pelicans in the aftermath. Now, everyone wants to pile on Zion Williamson inside the NBA. And that actually, this was the day where guys like Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon came on the set of Inside the NBA and kind of lent their expertise there. And they did similar on the NBA Today broadcast, I believe. Shaq joined them. Anyhow, inside the NBA was talking about Zion Williamson's after game, saying how out of shape he is. And it's just come out now that the team wants him to get himself a dietitian to do something about his weight. And that led Charles Barkley to say Zion Williamson should be the best player on the team right now. He's the third best player on the team. That's saying a lot. I know the organization is trying to be careful with him. He's only missed the game, guys. Can he be in better shape? 100% no. Make no mistake about it. And you know what it is? You have to have the drive to want to be great. Does Zion Williamson have the drive in him to be great? That's a huge question. He should be averaging a 2010, guys. He's not doing that. He's dropping 22 points. He's getting close to six rebounds a game. That's not good. And that alone tells you about desire. Rebound is about desire. Does he have a desire to be a double-figure rebound guy? Again, another good question. And then Stephen A., he went on first take, and then he went on his podcast to pretty much... To say he called him fat would be an understatement. He fat shamed the man. He fat shamed him. And he says he's doing it from a place of he wants the kid to be great. I get that. I understand that. But you can't do it in such a shaming way. And I think you went too far with it, to be honest, Stephen A. I think you went too far in saying that the man is not in shape. They talked about it. Actually, I listened to Nightcap with Shannon Sharp and Chad Ochocinco. They talked about it as well, but it wasn't with the same meanness as Stephen A. did on his podcast. It was more of a critical eye than a sort of shaming eye. But I think everybody's in agreement He can be in much better shape. I think in his private moments, he knows he needs to do that. Does he have the will? Is he willing to do that? That's the huge question. And that's one that he and he alone can answer. So I guess time will tell. Let's just say time will tell. All right. Let's talk about the finals for the in-season tournament. Again, I thought the tournament as a whole, a rousing success. Kudos to Adam Silver for bringing this concept to the forefront. Of course, there's ways you can tweak it and improve it. But I think overall, there was a bit of a desire there amongst the fan base. So with that said, the Lakers end up taking the inaugural in-season 
tournament championship. And they do it in a 123-109 to 109 victory. And in that game, Anthony Davis went absolutely beast mode, guys. 41 points, 20 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 block shots. This is the Anthony Davis everybody wants to see. And he was on display. He even had a primal yell during the game, I am him. That's his frustration with probably, you know, the way he's being covered and so forth. A lot of people question his motor and things like that. So I guess the primal yell came in time for him. And then Austin Reeves off the bench, 28 points for him. LeBron James, who ended up being the tournament MVP, 24 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists with 2 steals. And a game, oh, by the way, the Lakers out-rebounded the Pacers 70-43. to So, you see the disparity there. And they shot it 53.4% from the field, as opposed to the Pacers shooting at 36.8. Therese Holliburton, nice game. 20 points, 11 assists. And Ben Mafferin from the bench, 20 points for him. So, the Lakers get the win. And I think a big winner in this is the Indiana Pacers. For them to go and beat the two top teams in the East to make it to that final says a lot about that team and that young man, Tyrese Holliburton, who's been an absolute star in this tournament. And you got to take your hat off to Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle is a guy who hung his hat on defense. You saw him win the championship over there with the Dallas Mavericks. Where you had Dirk Nowitzki and you had some key role players, guys like Jason Kidd, Tyson Chandler, Sean Marion. You just had a solid squad there that took the title. Over here, he's had to make an adjustment and say, you know what? Judging from my team, I think we we're going to have to run guys out of the gym. And they're doing that, guys. They're amongst the top scorers in the league top scoring team that is you talk about a metamorphosis for rick carlisle and that's what good coaches do guys they adapt to the personnel they have and they make those adjustments that way right now rick carlisle looking very good guys and i know we're about 20 something games in we'll see how it looks for the next three quarters of the season your all-tournament team, of course, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Therese Holliburton. Also rounding out the team, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kevin Durant. And the question is, are they taking that from just the postseason of the in-season tournament, if you will? Or are they doing cumulative numbers for the season as well? Not really clear on that, but we'll get some clarity one day. Anyhow... So that is your story there. And then I heard them talk about this on Give and Go as well. Should they hang a banner for this in-season win? And from what I'm told, what I just read actually, they are going to hang a banner for it. And it's going to be their next home game, which is December 18th. They'll hang a banner up for it. But you know something, guys? A lot of people were clowning LeBron James for celebrating in the locker room with the goggles, with the champagne, and so forth. 
I even seen it on social media where guys were like, oh, Michael Jordan wouldn't do that. Kobe Bryant wouldn't do that. I'm like, really, guys? Really? We really want to go there with that? You know what it is? I'm not trying to get in LeBron's head, but think about the Max Christie's, about the Jackson Hayes's, about the Jalen Hood Shafino's. Think about the guys at the end of that bench who's going to get this $500,000. You know, you, you need every single one of these guys, even if they're at the end of the bench. So this whole notion to clown LeBron James at every turn, I'd, I'm not going to say I don't get it, but I think it's, it's an exercise of futility to me. That's, that's all I'm going to say on that. And then, of course... There's the Nick angle to this in-season tournament final. Of course, there's always a Nick angle some kind of way. It's like the six degrees of separation of the Knicks. We have two starters there, one for each side. That was a former Nick, Obi Toppin for the Pacers, and Cam Reddish for the Lakers. And, of course, Cam Reddish, he's bounced around a bit. He seems to have found a home with L.A., and... There was a point in the season where LeBron tried to boost up the man's confidence, and he did that. So much so that he's contributing now. Maybe not eye-popping on the stat sheet, but he's contributing in other ways. And the reason why is because of LeBron James. He instills this kind of confidence in the guys. And then, of course, you have the OB side where... He gets traded over there, and, you know, I said, too, that I thought this was a good situation for Obi Toppin. He's got to be careful, though, because he got young guys nipping at his heels, but this is an opportunity for him to kind of find his way and kind of flourish, and seems comfortable there with the Pacers. Seems like Rick Carlisle knows how to utilize him best. So does this speak to the coach here in New York? I'll leave that for the Nick fanatics of the fan base to uh, opine about. But I thought I'd just bring it up. So that is that. So that ties a bow on the in-season tournament, guys. Kudos to Adam Silver and those in the office for creating this. And hopefully this is a harbinger of better things to come with the tournament. With that said, speaking of LeBron James... Bronny James actually makes his debut a day after his father wins the in-season tournament and wins MVP. So Bronny James makes his season debut for USC. And this is five months after going into cardiac arrest, guys. Five months later, he plays in his first game. He plays 17 minutes, scores four points, grabs three rebounds two assists, two steals, and a block, and a loss, actually, to Long Beach State University. So, Bronny James, they're bringing him along slowly, just 17 minutes coming off the bench. They're being careful with him, and rightfully so, especially after that heart episode in the summer. It's great to see him out there on the court. He even spoke post-game about it. He thanked everyone. You know, his family, his parents, of course, for supporting him, for all those 
fans following him for the school itself, for the medical team that worked on him. So very gracious, very full of gratitude. You like seeing that in a young man and you can't help but wish the best for this young man going forward. So hopefully this is the first of more to come from Bronny James on the basketball court. So with that said, one more news item and that's it guys. The WNBA had their lottery and the order is now the Indiana Fever getting the first pick two years in a row. Got it with Aaliyah Boston last year. And remember, two years back, they got the second pick in the draft. So you're talking two, one, and then one again, followed by the L.A. Sparks. The Phoenix Mercury, the Seattle Storm, then you go down to the Dallas Wizards, Washington Mystics, then the Minnesota Lynx at eight, the Atlanta Dream, and then Dallas again getting another pick, Connecticut Sun, and then rounding out the last two picks are the Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces. In a draft where it seems Like Caitlin Clark, she's going to end up declaring and going to the WNBA. If that's the case, I tell you what, Iowa isn't too far from Indiana, so you'll have the Iowa faithful infiltrating that state, that's for sure. But that'll be a nice combination, a little inside out with Caitlin Clark and Aaliyah Boston. You need to add pieces, that's the important thing. Seems like the Indiana Fever are doing that. Major props to Lynn Dunn and the organization over there for the Indiana Fever. The Sparks with the second pick. It seems like they could go local and take Cameron Brink. If we were to have a draft today, Cameron Brink, it seemed like a natural fit. Cali girl going to a Cali team just seems right. And then probably Phoenix. Paige Beckers, we don't know if she'll declare for the draft or not. She can take an extra year if she wants. There's some saying that she will take it because of the injury to Asa Fudd. So it's possible she stays one more year. So we'll see what happens with her. Camilla Cardozo, she's in the mix to be amongst the top four players taken. Then you have other players like Aaliyah Edwards from UConn. Rakia Jackson from Tennessee. You have the young lady from Australia there. Angel Reese, a lot of people, they're saying that Angel Reese could go eighth. If that's the case, she would fall to Atlanta Dream. So that could be on the radar for her. Georgia Amore, Alyssa Peely from Utah, who looked fantastic the other night. She dropped 37 points playing against uh, South Carolina. And Elizabeth Keatley, I think, is like a low-key, solid pick for a team for Vitek as well. So you have the WNBA lottery that took place. Indiana, the rich, gets a bit richer, guys. Back-to-back number one picks for them. So with that said, that's it, guys. That's it for this episode as always i thank you for listening always appreciate it and i guess we'll get back to the business of actual basketball although there was a couple of games played last week but we get to the full schedule of nba games again 
in week eight. So with that said, thank you for listening, guys, and we'll talk soon. Take care. Hello, my peeps. Thank you for listening and supporting the All Things Basketball with GD podcast. You can find us on our website, allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You could also email us at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. Also, listen and watch us on YouTube, All Things Basketball GD. Hit the like button when you see our videos. Also, write a blurb about our show. You can listen to us on all podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Leave a review for us at Apple. On the website, you can support us by hitting the Buy Me a Coffee button, support on Anchor button, or donate on PayPal. You can also support us by our cash app, GD That Sports Dude. Once again, I thank you for listening and supporting the show, and do take care.